Welcome to the Servant Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and it's my prayer that you'll be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. I'm glad you're here. Hello, and welcome back. I want to take a quick minute and apologize for not putting out an episode last week. I had some equipment failure, and it took me about a week to get my stuff back together because I do this in the mornings before work, and so I wasn't able to get my equipment put back together and get an episode ready, so I do apologize for that. Uh, But I did take the off time to work on a Facebook page and getting ready to set up a website, so I'm excited about that and kind of give you guys a way to Uh, get in contact with me if you'd like to or if you're interested in being a guest so here in the upcoming several weeks hopefully i should have all that stuff ready so looking forward to that but anyways let's get into today's episode over the last couple weeks uh, during my bible study i was really struck by something uh, and that was the justice of god and you know i want to be cautious because you know this is a difficult area, I think, to discuss because it's hard to appreciate God's judgment on sin without you know feeling <laughs> concern for our own. We have the promise that God will, will punish the evildoers who have caused us harm, but then what about God's justice for those we have harmed, right? It's kind of, uh-oh. <laughs> but this is more of a sobering message because I think we tend to think about God's judgment as being you know out in the future. And, you know, we think about our time in history as the age of grace, and it is, but, you know, God still brings judgment in people's lives, you know, now even, you know, as he sees fit. Romans twelve nineteen says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So, we know justice is coming, he says, I will repay, but when is it coming? Yes. And God is slow to anger, and yes, God did punish the sin of the world on the cross already. But Luke 18, verses 7 and 8 also says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? So it, it seems that, that much of the evil that takes place on earth doesn't really face judgment until after death sometimes. I mean, some people can just go on and on and on, right? And they just keep going on sinning, it seems. Th- that fact alone, I think, sometimes makes it seem easy to worry a little less about walking the line that God lays out in his word. But sometimes we see God's judgment right here and right now. And remembering that, I think, inspires us to walk a little more carefully. The story that caught my eye was from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. And this is about when Elisha was just coming back from Elijah and being uh, taken up in the chariot of fire. And so he's traveling, and verse 23 says, And he went up from thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up, thou bold head, go up, thou bold head. And he turned back and looked on them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood, and tear forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. And uh, 
Believe it or not, this isn't one of the most popular Sunday school lessons, right? <laughs> I, I, it would, I, you know, I think it would fit probably really nicely between David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den. It would be interesting to see the coloring pages from this week's lesson. <laughs> like, look, mommy, what I made for you, right? <laughs> but all jokes aside, what happens here seems so against the nature of God, as as most of as most of us have been taught to understand Him. But I want to quickly say in response to that, that this was not God murdering a bunch of babies for being sarcastic. First of all, the Hebrew words for little children describe anyone who is less than fully mature, so not just little children. Um, the same words were actually used to describe Solomon when he took over the throne of his father, David, in somewhere in his early 20s. So there's that. And secondly, these people were part of the community around Bethel, which had become a central location for the worship of Baal. God had been patient when the people of Bethel turned from worshiping him, when they set up a golden calf, when they worshiped idols and chose false priests for themselves. Bethel literally means house of God, and it had become the home of one of two shrines in the country at that time for Baal worship. So here's what I'm getting at. They may have been young, but they knew better. And up to this point, they had been given grace upon grace upon grace to sin in the sight of the Lord. Now they have an opportunity to hear the word of God when Elisha comes walking by, and they use this opportunity to mock Elisha, and bam, judgment struck. So I say all this to remind us to take life seriously, because the greatness of God's grace is really magnified by the greatness of his justice. It's because of the fact that God has zero tolerance for sin that makes the reality of his grace so significant. I think we get casual about sin because we tend to focus on God's love and grace. God is both grace and judgment. Christ defeated the power of sin in our lives, but that doesn't mean that he removed all consequences for it. And I can imagine someone saying about now, but but that was Old Testament. But, I mean, remember Ananias and Sapphira? They dropped dead at the apostles' feet. That was instant karma, right? And Herod, he was consumed by worms. Again, instant karma. So, So here's a staggering thought. How many people does the Bible record were killed by God? Over 2 million people that were killed and the numbers were listed. 2 million. And that doesn't even include the flood when God killed everyone but Noah's family. And scholars estimate somewhere in the ballpark of 24 million unlisted kills where the Bible doesn't specifically tell us how many died. So now comes all the arguments I know from the secular world about how unfair God is and how no moral person would ever do the things God did. As if we have some claim to tell God what he can and can't do with his creation. But rather, you know, by God's standard, it was only by his grace that there were ever more than two people on the face of the earth anyway. But nobody ever wants to remember all the times God sat patiently while we spit in his face, right? I mean, how many times would we let someone trespass and vandalize the things that we've built and that we own before we would cast judgment? We as corrupt beings demand judgment on others for their corruption, but when God, the perfect righteous judge, sends out a verdict, we all want to cry about how unfair it is. God gives and he takes away. It is God's moral right to do as he pleases with the lives of others. And as an example, you know, if I design a car, if I build it and I own all the pieces, 
Who can tell me it's wrong for me to destroy that car if I so choose? And likewise, only God has the ability to create life and restore life, and as such, he also has the right to destroy it. I mean, life is his. Life is literally an invention of God. It is the substance of our being and that he shares with us until we exhaust the supply he gives us. Life on this earth is a gift, a finite resource that God gives, and so we better use it well. Forty-two people lost their lives in this passage because they thought that they could get away with doing as they pleased. It isn't wise to shrug our shoulders at sin and say, ah, they're young, or nah, nobody's perfect. We see throughout Scripture that it doesn't matter who you are, young, old, father, mother, spouse, whatever, God's judgment can fall. Philippians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, it says fear and trembling. We ought to be accepting the salvation of God with our hearts bowed low before the Lord. And Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. I mean, how did we get from that to treating God's gift like a high five from a man JC, right? I mean, please remember that God's grace is sufficient, but his judgment is real. Hebrews 10, 26-31 says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despises Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense saith the Lord, and again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Being one of his people doesn't mean that we won't pay a price for our sin. We must walk with the solemn understanding of just how much sin can cost. Nowhere in God's word does it say that just because he may forgive the soul that he won't destroy the body. God takes life very seriously, and so should we. His son died to extend grace over our lives, and I've been so guilty of wasting that grace in in my own pursuits. But I think it would obviously be wise for all of us to think twice about the attitude we have towards sin in our lives. Because 1 John 2, 3-4 says, And hereby do we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Amen. Thanks for listening, and if you'd like to leave a comment or be considered as a guest, contact me at servantsoulpodcast.com.